amazing. Is it someone who has seen the trailer for the first time? And you raise your hand. You know, to our guests, I guess. The reason I'm asking, because this evening is part of what you have just seen, the Made in Prague festival, and because it's five weeks long festival here in London, this number of events. So some of you are attending many more events, so you're going to see it at least 20 times, uh, perhaps even, even more times. If you are seeing for the first time, so that's great, because you're coming to the literary evening uh, uh, today. And uh, we don't have that many literary evenings uh, during the Made in Prague festival, but we have actually quite a few uh, throughout the year, and it's our one of the main, main focus of the Czech Centre to promote the Czech literature and poetry here in the, in the UK. But back to the Made in Prague festival, it's one of the oldest national festivals in the UK. As I mentioned, it's five weeks this year, and there's a number of events really spanning from films to theater, music, uh, discussions, and of course evenings like, uh, like, like today. So thank you for joining us for that. And today we have a very special evening. We have a number of guests here, very strong, a strong panel for uh, unveiling and launching the book, uh, the, the book of Prague. A city in short fiction, which is an anthology uh, you probably have walked by the table there, which you can certainly purchase the book, I'm not mentioning it, but a number of other cities. Uh, but Prague is the, the last one which has been just published this year in, uh, in October, and there are 10 different uh, stories by some really top well-known writers uh, from the past, <coughs> of course the current one, like Bohmil Hrabal, Michal Ivars, or Marek Shindelka, who is joining us this evening. So, without any further ado, let me please uh, invite to the podium our, our, our guest. Let me start with Veronika Bendoa, who is flying from, from Prague. Uh, and she studied screenwriting at the film school in, in Prague and dramaturgy. Uh, her debut was in 2012, uh, the novel Nonstop Euphrate. And uh, in 2019, her book Vitejen uh, in Depleted Land has been shortlisted for the Magnesia Litera Award. So thank you for joining us, Veronica. The name I already mentioned. Uh, you have the seating arrangement. The name I already mentioned, uh, Marek Shindelka, uh, he also uh, studied at, at FAMU uh, screenwriting and he's quite a prolific writer and uh, received a number of awards, uh, two times uh, dinner of the Magnesia Litera Awards, but also in 2005 he received the Yishi Wotan Award for the poets under 30, uh, 30 years, for the stroke nine and other poems, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. So, Marek, welcome. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> 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 my eyes were running to, how do you see? Uh, young Zygmunt, who is in charge of the seating here, uh, but not only uh, he is the uh, co-editor uh, of the book, uh, 
and he is coming from the Czech Literary Center, responsible for promoting the Czech literature, mostly in the Anglo-Saxon uh, market, so to speak. So yeah, you can please join us as well. Poki uh, is uh, coming here to help us a little bit with the interpretation, I would say translation, is British but spent, I understand, substantial amount of time uh, in Slovakia, currently living in Brussels and uh, working as an interpreter. He's also uh, a vital uh, runner and participated in Zatopek run. And I understand today it will be his uh, premiere interpreting from Czech because he's very good interpreting from Slovak. So we'll see how the difference will be uh, from the Czech and Slovak language. So, uh, Paul, thank you join us. And the last but not least, Rapet, who will uh, chair this evening uh, panel here. He is the founder and CEO of the Koba Press Publishing, of all the anthology books which you have seen, and uh, there are over 20 uh, different iPad anthologies. So please take a seat uh, as well. Last but not least, I really would like to thank our co-partner uh, here, which is the Czech Literary Center of this evening and many other programs. And now I'd like to welcome to the podium the director uh, of the center, Martin Krapov. Martin. Good evening, dobrý večer. Lovely to see you here. Uh, dear colleague, thank you for your words. We are really happy. And when I say we, I mean the Czech Literary Center. This is the state agency which uh, takes care about the Czech literature, and we try to promote the Czech culture, especially the Czech literature. And we hope that uh, many of good books from the Czech Republic will be translated into other languages, especially in English. So this is the task of this agency. And my team is very small, but very, very good. And Jan Sigmund sitting here on the first chair. Uh, on my left side is the guy who is responsible for English-speaking countries. And this is also the editor of the book we are presenting today, the Book of Prague. First of all, I would like to thank to Coma Press Publishing House and to the director, Mr. Rapage, for the interest and for this desire to um, print out the book and to publish this book. Jan Sigmund is one of the editors. The second one is Ivana Mishkova. So my thanks goes also to her. I'm very happy that we have here two authors from this publication, Veronika Bendova and Marek Schindelka. I'm really looking forward to this debate. The Book of Prague is offering you stories about the capital city of Prague. And the stories have been never published in English. So it's a really private view tonight. It's a really a very special evening. And I do hope that the Coma Press uh, will be happy, not about the book, not about this evening. I hope that uh, maybe Next year, or in next two years, there will be other Czech literation and English translation. Maybe a small advice, the Czech Literary Center is seated in Prague, in the capital, so we have the Book of Prague. 
by the logistic and administration of the Czech Literary Center is provided by the Moravian Library on behalf of the Ministry of Czech Culture. And Moravian Library is sitting in Brno, in the second largest city of the Czech Republic, in the capital of Moravia, so maybe the book of Brno, who knows? Anyway, I hope that not only Coma Press, but also other publishers, and not only in England, will have a big interest on the Czech literature because, and I hope you notice that, the Czech Republic will be the guest of honor at the largest international book fair, Frankfurt Book Fair, in year 2026. So I'm quite sure that, we, that you will hear a lot of us. The Book of Prague is in English, and if you would like to know uh, what to read in English on the current and uh, actual market, uh, you can take in the foyer <coughs> the supplement of the magazine The Bookseller. It was published this October regarding uh, the announcement of the Guest of Honor 2026 in Frankfurt, Czech Republic. And uh, this uh, small supplement could advise you which books could you read in English and which books could you buy for your friends and your family at the Christmas. And this is the best time to buy them right now. So please take it and you have a lot of inspiration. Thank you very much to the Czech Central London being here with us and supporting us. And thank you very much to all colleagues of us here at the Embassy of the Czech Republic in London. I'm really happy to see you here. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all for, for coming. Thank you for those introductions. Um, uh, as, as we said, my name is Rob Hayes, I'm the founder of Comma Press, uh, and Comma Press is based in Manchester and it specialises in short fiction uh, and short stories. And one of, the, uh, the, one of the beautiful things about short fiction and short stories in particular is its ability to be translated and its, its, its transnational, translinguistic um, <coughs> kind of nature. Uh, short stories are formed has always been very, very international. Its influences have, have jumped from one country to another. Um, and because of that, we've always put uh, literature and translation at the heart of what we do. And one of the ways uh, that we do that is through this uh, Reading the City series, uh, the Book of the City series, which has, been, has now been running for, uh, for something like 13 years. And we've uh, pub published uh, over 25, or we've visited over 25 different cities. Um, but uh, my love of short stories, people were asking me earlier uh, in, in the room upstairs just about you know, why I publish short stories, because it's a kind of masochistic thing to do. Short stories are very difficult to sell, uh, but my, my love of short stories really goes back to um, uh, certain writers, specific writers who uh, kind of uh, reinvented a form which was originally popular uh, in, a, in a kind of a commercial way in magazines in the 19th century, but they kind of really reinvented it and, and create, turned it into something, uh, to, a, to a really high art. And obviously the two central figures uh, in that history are Chekhov and Kafka. And I can't do, uh, I can't publish short stories uh, in, in translation and not think about Kafka like all the time in one way or another. And obviously if we're doing the book of the City series, Prague is, is there, it's always been on 
uh, my horizon. So uh, I've been very, very, very grateful, and tonight's my opportunity to say thank you to the Czech Literary Centre, the Moravian Library, uh, and, and Jan Zickman in particular, who's, who's pushed this, uh, this project uh, from the start. So uh, the idea of the series is really to uh, explore the city in a different way, explore the city not as a tourist, uh, or not as tourist guides would, uh, would, would kind of lead you through the city, but to see the city from the points of view of its characters and its, and its writers and uh, its, its, its native inhabitants, and to see it through the different lives and uh, inner worlds of different characters from different communities within that city. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about, uh, about the, you know, how Prague is very, very special and very unique, uh, uh, but the idea really with the books is to, is to use people's interest in the city to, to draw them in and to, to explore it from a completely new kind of set of angles. Um, Jan's going to talk a little bit uh, now just about, about this specific book, but I just wanted to give you a sort of context of uh, the, the wider series. So, so I'm going to hand you over to, to Jan Zygmunt for a bit. Uh, so good evening everybody. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you again, Czech Central London and uh, the Czech Embassy London um, for giving us the, um, the chance to launch this book in London. Uh, tomorrow we are going to go to Manchester uh, to do a second launch there. And uh, of course, uh, at some point we will also uh, organize a launch in Prague, probably in January or February, um, and the Rappage will uh, come for the first time to Prague uh, to see why it's such a big deal. Um, we can follow, you know, some Kafka's uh, route there. And so, uh, yeah, that's coming in January or February. Anyway, I would like to mention, I would like to say that um, uh, this book is um, a result of a, of a teamwork. Um, in, in total, um, there are 20, uh, 24 people uh, that have uh, contributed to the book. Um, Two editors, uh, ten Czech writers, and uh, twelve translators. Um, Ivana Mishkova, uh, who was already mentioned here, uh, was my co-editor, and I think she deserves a lot of credit uh, because she was uh, amazing. She she discovered and um, solicited uh, a number of excellent short stories, and uh, thanks to her, uh, we had a lot to choose from. Uh, we could afford to be a, uh, to be a bit demanding and selective and, and, um, and discard some stories which you didn't like. So uh, it, was a, it was a very interesting process and um, uh, I think Ivana, Ivana um, was instrumental in, in making this book happen. Um, there are ten stories in the book, uh, each by a different writer. Um, there are seven uh, contemporary writers and three writers uh, who lived and died in the 20th century. I'm very happy uh, that um, each of the stories has been translated by a different translator or a translating couple. Um, it was sort of a challenge to be set for us at the beginning and um, I'm, I'm really glad because our aim, our goal was not to just showcase um, Czech writers, but also uh, showcase the work of uh, excellent translators. Um, you will find some familiar names um, like 
Paul Wilson or Alex Zucker or Julian Peter Sherwood uh, in this book. Um, by the way, Julian Peter are here with us. Thank you for coming. And, <laughs> um, and, uh, but there are some, um, some relatively new names there, some, some uh, translators that are uh, just coming uh, uh, to Czech literature right now. And one of them is uh, Paul Kay, who is uh, with us today. Paul's role is not only to interpret, he's here as a, uh, as a translator. Uh, he uh, did a magic translation of um, Veronica Bendova's short story. Um, Paul is an interesting man because I, when I describe him, I sometimes say Paul is uh, one of the uh, only people, or only, uh, only uh, persons that uh, has managed to uh, defy Brexit uh, to some extent because uh, he works um, as a translator for the EU uh, still. And he's still based partly in Brussels and uh, I'm encouraging him uh, to uh, translate more literary text. Um, so I hope this will help. Um, and um, finally, I, you know, it's a pleasure to be here with uh, two, two very talented uh, Czech writers. Um, they, Marek Chingolka, Marika Bendova. It's very interesting because they, um, they've had a very different career path, I would say. Marek is, um, he has several translations. Um, I'm not sure how many, but uh, you know, his book's been published in many, many languages. Uh, he's quite well known in the Netherlands and Belgium, uh, for instance. Um, and so for him, you know, he's a very international man. Uh, he just spent a month in, in Germany, in Leipzig, working on his new novel. Uh, now he's in the UK. Um, and then I think on Monday, he's flying to Japan. And then uh, Poland uh, and many more countries. Uh, for Veronica, um, it's a different story. She, it's, a, it's her first time in the, in the UK. Um, and um, I'm just uh, very glad that she has a chance to also present her, present her work here because I think she's a very uh, overlooked uh, writer. Uh, she should, she should uh, get more recognition also, also in our country and abroad as well. So that's, uh, that's uh, all I want to say at the beginning and now I'll uh, hand the mic back to Ryan. Well, I was, I was going to start before we hear, we're going to hear some readings uh, in, in Czech with translations from, from uh, Malik and uh, Veronica. But before we move on to that, I was just going to ask you, uh, Jan, um, very, very briefly, what were, the, what were the challenges of putting this book together? Because obviously Czech has an amazing literary scene, uh, uh, the Czech Republic has an amazing kind of uh, scene at the moment and a, and a long history uh, of, uh, of great writers. Um, obviously, as we said, we said, as well as setting the challenge of having 10 different translators, we also wanted the book to, to feature uh, stories that had never been translated into English before. So that's, that takes out Kafka and it takes out uh, lots of other great writers. Um, but apart from that challenge, what were the other challenges of, uh, that, and, and things that you and Ivana, your co-editor, kind of uh, argued over? Uh, yes, yeah, so I should mention that uh, when we um, were starting this project, um, I received a long PDF from Ra with all the um, instructions and the requirements. Uh, he has a very clear way uh, um, uh, of how the, the series should look like. Um, and um, so we followed the instructions. Um, uh, obviously the main, the key thing was uh, that uh, Prague should really play a prominent role 
uh, in, in all the uh, short stories. Um, uh, that's, uh, it may be surprising, but there are not so many uh, Czech writers that um, write about Prague or set their stories in Prague. And if they do, um, they rarely uh, set um, the plot of the story in the historic districts of Prague. Um, it's quite, um, it's quite um, logical in a way because um, um, there are not so many residents of Prague now living in, in the very center uh, because of tourism and obviously the prices are go, go up. Um, so writers are moving more to the periphery. Uh, so maybe maybe that's why uh, they have uh, they don't really write about the Prague Castle <laughs> anymore. Um, but I think despite of that, we managed to uh, managed to find some some really remarkable uh, short stories. Um, um, some are set in Chishkov or Libeng. Um, um, maybe not the not the most touristic parts, but uh, they are all the more interesting. And I guess another challenge was um, obviously, um, I, I think in the end, quality was the main. <laughs> I mean, it's a very abstract uh, uh, term, but uh, we didn't want to just uh, have some um, touristic guides there or something like some kind of um, uh, nice nice description of Prague. That we were focusing also on the plot and on the language of the stories, um, and we had long discussions about that as well. So. Um, I think maybe that's also why we decided to include also three writers from the 20th century, um, um, because they um, uh, they maybe added a, a different element to the book. Um, I'm talking about Bomlo uh, Hrabal, Maria Strejova, and Jan Zabrana, who, um, I mean, they all uh, were remarkable writers as well. So, yeah, that's my answer. Kind of add to that is because of those three writers in particular, but but all of the stories really have a sense of the the history and the 20th century history of Prague. You know, from from an outsider's point of view, Prague is, is known for its beautiful architecture, its old town, uh, and uh, and and kind of architecture which uh, hails from the the 18th century uh, or, or even further back. Uh, but it's really a sense of the 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 upheavals of the 20th century uh, and the second half of the 20th century which really kind of uh, haunt all of the stories in this book and they all come from different points in that late 20th century history. Uh, yeah. uh, if you look at the cover of the book um, you will see some, some of some, some historical buildings there but uh, there is one building right at the, uh, on the, the left side here um, that's the Zizhkov uh, TV tower um, it was voted by some websites as, as the ugliest still standing building in the world. Um, so we had to put on the cover. There's another reason why we put it on the cover because um, there are two, two short stories in the book that um, mention uh, this, this TV tower. And um, so um, that also, I'm saying it because, um, um, uh, as, as we said now with the uh, uh the anthology also. Um, and, is, is set outside the centre quite a lot. So uh, we're going to hear from uh, both both the readers. Uh, I think we should uh, start with Veronica Pendema, who's going to read uh, uh, the opening uh, section of her story, Waiting for Patrick. And Veronica, do you want to uh, just introduce it a little bit? And Veronica's going to speak and read in, in Czech, and, and Paul's going to translate. Tak já přečtu začáteční, dejme tomu, pětinu povídky. I'm going to read the first 
Ta povídka vznikla na základě, na základě deníkového textu z roku 1993 a v tom roce se teda také odehrává. So this, uh, this text originated in something I wrote in 1993, and it's set in that year. And this story originated in so it's about uh, a girl who's 19 years old, 19 years old, and it's before she goes to uh, university and she goes to uh, work in a shop, an antiquarian shop, which is on the corner of Uvoz and Borgerhards, in the, in the um, near, near Brown Castle. Čekání na Patrika. Vstanu ráno, brzy docela, nestihnu tramvaj, vztek. Patrik je od včerejška v Anglii u Tominu. Myslím na to, co asi dělá. Jdu do trafiky na pražského povstání, musím koupit jízdenky pro sebe a pro psa. Vždycky tam nevím, kam koukat. Napravo noviny a všechny mají na přední straně ty hrozný titulky a fotky z války z Bosny. A nalevo od zhora dolů kolem té staropanecké padesátnice vysí z prostý časopisy. A mě je trapný na to koukat. Ale ty vystrčený ohromný prsa prostě ten pohled přitáhnu. Dvě dvoukorunové a jednu čtyřkorunovou známku, řeknu paní. Čtyřkorunový nemáme. No tak čtyři dvoukorunové. Proboha, chtěla jsem jízdenky. Co jsem to řekla? Aha, známky. Chápavý úsměv, nic se neděje slečno. Přijíždí tramvaj. Hlavně, aby někdo neseděl na mém místě. Tramvaj zastaví s obavou nahlédnu dovnitř. Mé obavy se naplnily. Na prvním místě za řidičem se rozvaluje cizí kalcek. To je drzost. Pomyslím si, co pak nevidí, že tohle je jediné místo vyhrazené pro psy? Přitom je celá tramvě skoro prázdná. Ostentativní povídka psa na místo před jeho nohy. Klidně si sedí dál. Co kdybych jako upadla? Je to všeho marnost. Kymácím se v tramvaji, turisté šlapou na psa, vystoupím na pohořelci půl desáté a pět minut. Jestli je už Martin v krámě, budou řeči. Krámu sedí ota a nonšalentně kouří. Popel odklepává do popelníku ve tvaru spotvořené ženy. Popelník japonský, hnusný, soca 1920, G567, 850 kč, prodat i se slevou. Z toho je jasně poznat, že Martin tu není. Ota je jako vždy zničen. Verunko, Verunko, naříká, já jsem tak vospalej. Uvázat psa, jindat reprobedny, zapojit zesilovač, opřít stolek s knihami o zeď, pověsit pohlednice, schovat klíče, přepočítat kasu, utěšit otu, <coughs> přelíkat odlepenou mapu, uvařit kávu, vyměnit dvoru kytkám a už jsou tu lidi. Guten Tag, bonjour, hello, danke schön, grazie, prego, přijďte zas, nesnáším cizice. V půl druhé přijde Roman Župinka, vyvenčí besty, vypije kafe. Přehlédne si tričko, prodá jednu mapku a obrázek Prahy. Jako prodavač by byl trochu moc laxní. Proč si dala takový jméno? Díví se a drve vesty pod stolem za ušima. Teď je to takový drobek. No, protože jsem chtěla původně černého německého ovčáka, nebo briarda, nebo aspoň velkého knírače. Vysvětluju a nabídli mi zrovna tuhle aničku a ona na mě tak smutně koukala. No, taky teda sežere podstatně žrádla. 
Aničku, futulku, jí totiž říkali Anička. Džupinka se sněje, ale ten má sám co říkat o méně. Když jménem Džupinka se nemenuje snad vůbec nikdo na světě. Jen jeho fotrce opustil a vedle něj invalidní maminku a malou ségru a nechali živořit ve dvě puskáka na sídlišti v řepích. Dokud jsem nebyla u Džupinku na návštěvě, nikdy se nevěděla tak malý byt. Byt našich u Karlova náměstí má 100 metrů čtverečních a mně to přišlo vždycky jako normální. Tedy až do první návštěvy u Džupinku. Tehdy jsem pochopila, že lidi ani za socialismu nežili stejně. So I'll, I'll try and read for my translation as, uh, as well as that. Waiting for Patrick. I get up in the morning, quite early, and miss the tram. Raging. Patrick has been in England since yesterday at the Tomminses. I think about what he might be up to as I head to the kiosk at Prague Uprising Square. I need to buy tram tickets for myself and for the dog. I never know where to look. On the right, the newspapers with all those awful headlines and images from the war in Bosnia. And on the left, from top to bottom, surrounding the spinsterish 50-something behind the counter, hang the dirty magazines. It's embarrassing to look at them, but those big bulging breasts just draw the eyes. A couple of two-crown stamps and one four-crowner, I asked the woman. Uh, we don't have any four-crown stamps, she says. Uh, four two-crown ones, then. Oh my God, what am I saying? Stamps? I wanted tram tickets. An understanding smile. No problem, miss. The tram arrives. I just hope no one is sitting in my seat. It stops and I look inside apprehensively. My fears have been realised. Some foreign lout in the seat behind the driver. What gall, I think. How can he not see that this seat is for people with dogs? And the tram's almost empty. I push the dog ostentatiously into the place of his feet, but of course he just carries on sitting there. What if I were to fall? But it's all pointless. I sway in the tram, tourists tread on the dog, I get off at Bohozhalets. Five minutes past half nine. If Martin's already at the shop, there will be words. At the shop, Ota is sitting, smoking nonchalantly, tapping his ash into an ashtray in the form of a misshapen woman. Japanese, revolting. Circa 1920, catalogue number G567, price 850 crowns, can be discounted. Which means Martin isn't here. As usual, Ota is wrecked. Veronica, Veronica, he says, I'm so exhausted. Tie the dog up, put the speaker cabinet aside, plug in the amplifier, put the book table against the wall, hang up the postcards, put the keys away, recheck the till. Console Ota, reattach a mat that's peeling off the wall, brew coffee, put fresh water in the vase, and now here come the people. Guten Tag, bonjour, hello, danke schön, gracias, prego, do come again. I can't stand foreigners. At half one, Roman Jupinka comes by, takes Beastie out for a walk, has a coffee, changes his t-shirt, sells a map and a picture of Prague. He's a bit slack to be a sales assistant. Why did you give her a name like that, he asks, rubbing Beastie under the ears. I mean, she's a midget. Well, I wanted a black German shepherd, or a briard, or at least a big schnauzer, but they offered me a nitschka here, and she looked up at me with such sad eyes. And I knew she'd get through a lot less grub, too. Anichka. Well, that's what they called her at the dog shelter. Jupinka laughs, but he can't talk when it comes to names, since probably no one else in the world has the surname Jupinka, apart from his old man, who left them, him and his disabled mum and his little sis, to struggle away in a two-room flat on an estate in Jepi. 
I'd never seen such a small flat until I visited Jupin Kess Place. Our mum and dad's flat near Charles Square is 100 square metres, which I'd always thought was normal, until I went to the Jupin Kess, at which point I realised that people didn't live the same way, even back in communist times. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Veronica. Uh, I'm now going to uh, ask uh, Marek Shintowska to, to read his story. We're going to try something slightly different. We're going to uh, present the uh, English translation on the screen behind. So thank you uh, once more for coming here today. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. And uh, uh, thank you, Raf, for this wonderful book. Thank you, Jan, for editing it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great honor. Uh, in the end, we uh, choose a story from this short story collection, which is called, uh, the English title would be probably The Map of Anna. Uh, it's uh, my, let's say, uh, an experimental book. It's an attempt to, or it was an attempt to do something in, in between. It's not a short story collection, it's not a novel, it's more or less a web of stories or some uh, crystalline structures you can see on the cover. Uh, it's this strange many faceted shape and I wanted the book to be like that, like like a sort of, a, sort of a, you can read it from uh, from whichever point you like actually from, uh, you can open it on any page and read it and it will, it will produce some sort of a shape. It's uh, called of the map of Anna because it's about and uh, about Anna, who is who is uh, there and uh, isn't in the same uh, time, like she's a little bit invisible. Uh, I, I had in my mind this uh, this game or, or this this um, it's in children uh, magazines this this thing when you have dots and you have to connect those dots uh, with with a pencil and then a shape occurs uh, and uh, so I wanted to compose the book like this in a way and um, yeah, the story is called uh, realities or uh, it's uh, it's the term we use for uh, real estate uh, things like when you sell and buy flats and then and so on and so on I don't know what would be the English uh, words for it, like like because there is the important this important businessman in this field, but it's also about different layers of reality, and uh, it's also about my generation's life and our struggle uh, with with reality and or realities because it's also about uh, all those Facebook avatars and and so on and so on and. and uh, uh, so I will read this short excerpt from the beginning, actually. Reality. Řidič vypnul rádio. Začínal svítat, že naspala. Viděl jsem, jaký zornička klouže pod víčkem. Jezdili jsme ještě chvíli bezcílně po městě, dokud mi nedošly peníze. Řidič, dobrák od kosti, nás vozil chvíli zadarmo, ale pak stejně zastavil, opatrněji jsem ženu vzbudil a vystoupili jsme do ostrého ranního vzduchu, kde si na periférii. Na obzoru díra v mracích, 
ptáci řvali, zábradlí nalepené listy novin, po asfaltu klouzal plastový kelímek a dělal strašný igelitový rámus. Dveře bouchly. Taxikář se mateřsky usmál a byl pryč. Svítá. Jdeme po mostě vysoko nad údolím, je dlouhý a široký, uvnitř mostu jezdí metro, občas to cítíme chodidly, všud vede po něm čtyřproudá silnice, teď ale prázdná. Řada oranžových koulí napnutá od jednoho konce k druhému zhasla. V hloubce pod námi střechy domů, děti v pokojičcích, maminky sní neklidné sny plné rovnic, kalkulují váhu sebevrahu, řítících se jako zubaté vytřeštěné stvůry v kravatách s třem hlav z mostního zábradlí, skrz střešní tašky a krovy přímo do postýlek a kolíbek. Budí se celé spocené, a ze všeho toho neustálého stresu, ze smrti kroužící a hučící nad nuslemi jako migréna, se jim kde si v mateřských útrobách zakládá na žaludeční vřet. Jdeme dlouho, tenhle most oprůstá zábradlím jako něco živého, když si sahalo sotva do pasu, jenže v temných 90. letech, kdy ještě neexistoval telefon ani internet, a lidstvo obecně nemělo dost zábavy, jezdili přesně v takových ranních hodinách opilí podnikatelé a mladí uhrovatí politici s barů rovnou do práce, v kabrioletech autogenem vytvořených z trabantů a žigulíků, láhve šampaňského svěšené přes dveře do silnice, bříška prstů klouzející po asfaltu jako po hladině řeky. Hulváti, kterým právě v krvi došuměl všechen kokain, a město se kolem nich otáčelo jako tornádo a na všech semaforech unaveně pulzovala oranžová a v křových ptáci a igelitky, přesně jako dnes. Tihle krvelační obchodníci věsnící z nedostatku systému, rozjívení privatizací, rozmrzelí a znudění, když pospíchali vstříc s dalším dobrodružstvím, zastavovali uprostřed prázdného mostu, a s řevem a výskotem schazovali náhodné kolejnoucí, babky s kárkou, bezdomovce a pošťáky přes zábradlí do propasti, pak ještě v posledních záškubech vědomí nastražili žiletky na klouzačky na dětském hřišti, na konečné tramvaje napíchali injekční stříkačky do sedadel a v prvních paprscích slunce usnuli na lavičce v parku přikrytí kabátem z nenarozených tulených mláďat a potách z krokodýla vyzupých pod lavičkou, jako v obýváku. Žena protestuje, že si vymýšlím a já musím pracně přísahat a dokazovat, že je to všechno pravda, že v 91. bychom tady v tuhle hodinu okamžitě letěli přes zábradlí, ale je to jedno. Ta doba je už dávno pryč, zapadla v učebnicích dějepisu, které za dvacku prodávají v antikvariátech, Čas neovládá zastaralý znak plus, ale děsivé práskání byče druhé mocniny. Čas se zkracuje a smršťuje. Řítí se z třem hlav do nekonečna, jeho čím dál víc, je čím dál rychlejší, hromadí se a množí ve všech nádržích, které jsme na něj vymysleli. Když si lidé chodili šeptat příběhy do dutin stromů, do puklin ve zdech, Dneska každou minutu přibude na YouTube 24 hodin času. 
to znamená čtyři roky za den. Ten nehmotný tvor roste a roste, snědl vůz s koňma i s pantátou, snědl selku i se silatama a tebe, tebe s ní taky. Seděli jsme ostatně dávno v jakési cukrárně s výhledem na probouzející se město. Pili jsme kafe a v zubech trolili ještě horké rakvičky se šlehačkou. Jak se vůbec jmenuješ? Zabublal jsem do šlehačky. Chvíli se nic nedělo? Chvíli jsem nemyslel a to mě zcela ohromilo, proto jsem se asi zeptal, jinak si to nedovedu vysvětlit. A žena řekla, Ana. Děkuji. Thank you, thank you, Marek. Uh, that was a wild ride, a wild introduction to, to the story. Um, I thought I'd start. I'm, I'm going to ask some questions, by the way, and uh, then there's going to be time for you guys to ask some questions. So get your questions ready. Um, I thought I'd start by just asking a little bit about the origins of these two stories. They're both interestingly, uh, they're not both set in the early '90s, but they're both kind of thinking about the early '90s. All these passages, uh, and it seems to be quite a. a um, uh, a kind of uh, a momentous moment that that ex explosion of, of capitalism of privatization and, and money uh, but also uh, a kind of dizzying uh, time as well uh, uh, a time which which was kind of traumatic as well as being like party central um, <clears throat> so I was just wondering first of all for you Mark uh, where did or, why, why, why is this story sort of concerned, so concerned with that particular moment in time? And tell us a little bit more about this, this strange bridge in Newsom, uh, and why you focus on that. Okay, uh, thank you. 90s in Czech Republic, this was this mythological time, uh, almost, or at least for me, for my generation, because it was the, like, uh, it was it was the new uh, brand new day like, like after the after the fall of the iron curtain the whole political system this this uh, monstrum of soviet uh, union uh, fell down everything was in ruins and and everything was possible basically and it was the, the this wide privatization of of big uh, formerly uh, state uh, by uh, uh, formerly factories and, and and so on and so on, controlled by the state was handed over to uh, to private hands, and uh, and it was crazy. Many new uh, political parties, of course, uh, occurred and so on and so on. It was full of like this this. Uh, it was like one big crazy party, but then the hangover came of course uh, in the, and many many problems we we are facing nowadays are the, the, the roots of those problems are in 90s actually um, and for me it was an attempt to capture this mythological atmosphere almost in this story because it's uh, it was really full of entrepreneurs starting new new businesses and and uh, people started uh, new religions <coughs> there, there was this hunger for everything which was banned during communist regime so so it will uh, one of the prominent czech writers also captured this atmosphere but he was uh, i was uh, very young then he was uh, like like older when, when he was in his very famous book city sister silver uh, was the english title and it's about this madness, this strange uh, 
strange party. And um, so I wanted to portray this also in the story, uh, this, this strange shift and this, this surge of some energy. And uh, the location is uh, very, uh, it's obvious for, because it's, it's, this bridge is, is like uh, also a, a relic of, of the communist system because it's, it was built in 70s and 80s. It was, it was a huge structure. Uh, the underground, uh, the, the, the tube is uh, going through the bridge and, and uh, the, the bridge was tested with tanks. It was, uh, when it was finished, they uh, let some like 20 tanks uh, go and test the stability of the structure of the bridge. And it was, it's, uh, you can see everything from the place. Like you can see Prague's old town, the castle, the, the, all those, uh, those like things which you have connected with Prague, but uh, it's distant. The bridge is in the district or former district nowadays. It's a normal district uh, for uh, where you can live. But it's also a favorite place for uh, when you want to commit a suicide. Like like uh, it's a, it used to be a very uh, infamous for for this because people it's it's very high. It's really. Uh, like I don't know, 60 meters maybe, or something like that. So people used to jump uh, over the fence there, and uh, it was something very typical, unfortunately. And they didn't. They uh, uh, the, the 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 fence was built there, like like to prevent this from happening. But this is, this is strange. For me, it was a strange crossroads of, of uh, times and, and many atmospheres. And, uh, well, to add something, maybe what you uh, said, Honza, Jan, uh, uh, that's, uh, we, we, we can't, basically, as, as authors, we can't uh, set our stories in the old town because we don't live there. No one lives there, basically. Like, like uh, it's empty. It's a city of ghosts. It's a tourist playground. This this all atmosphere, this mystical old town uh, atmosphere in Prague is uh, is just for tourists. You know, it's not not for local people, local riders any longer. You avoid going there. It's it's like uh, it's empty core of the town, which is magical, but. Um, for me, it's a sad story, actually. It's this Venice effect. You, you don't live there. So that's why I don't write about the old Prague, because it doesn't exist any longer. Yeah, that's Thank you. Very interesting. Um, and following on from that, uh, Veronica, you, your story was, uh, was written in 1993, and you actually have a copy of it. Do you want to, want to show people? Uh, it, it wasn't published until last year. So it's been sat in her drawer for 30 years or something. Um, and uh, yeah, you, um, I, was, I was very curious as to what it was like to go back to that story and to read it again. Um, uh, and did, did you recognize it? Did Prague feel like a different city then to what it feels like today? Jan and I are going to do a kind of a tag team. Tak ona to vlastně v těch 90. letech nebyla povídka, já jsem to tady přinesla u Karla. So we're going to the story back then in the 1990s. 
I've brought this to show you. Já jsem dostala od někoho takovou roli papíru. A protože jsem neměla moc peněz, tak jsem na ní psala všechno, co jsem psala. A když jsem to dopsala, tak jsem to prostě utrhla. So, because uh, I didn't have a lot of money, this is what I was writing on, and when I got to the end, ripped it off, or? Yeah, ripped it off. To byl vlastně skutečný denník, který, což je zajímavé, začínal anglickým názvem Waiting for Patrick, ačkoliv já jsem anglicky v té době vůbec neuměla. So it's a, it's a diary. It's a, it's a diary um, from that time that starts off with the English words "waiting for Patrick," which is funny because uh, I didn't know English then and I don't know English now. So, Hrdinka tam neustále ráno chodí kupovat jízdenky a vždycky řekne, že chce, že chce známky poštu místo toho. A, a zároveň tedy miluje tu Prahu, jak tady bylo řečeno. No, the trouble is me remembering what you said. Um, yeah, so Patrick had just gone to, uh, to stay in England and uh, the hero of the story is working in, in Prague and uh, she's, she's going to work, she goes to uh, the shop to buy these tram tickets and she's in Prague because she loves Prague. No, já jsem vlastně si vzpomněla, jako se spíš musela vrátit zpátky do toho rozpoložení, ve kterým jsem byla před těma 30 lety. So it was about going back to sort of that situation, a frame of mind that I was in 30 years ago. A pak už to šlo samo. And, and then it just went, yeah, it just went like that. I said, I was proud changed. Já jsem právě tu povídku dopisovala ve chvíli, kdy bylo těsně po jakoby posledním lockdownu a covidu. A to bylo samozřejmě období, kdy se ta Praha změnila absolutně. So I was finishing this story off when the lockdowns were coming to an end or happening. And so obviously Prague looked very different at that time. Například i do toho centra, do kterého Pražáci, rodiv Pražáci, jak už tady bylo řečeno, nikdy nechodí, protože je neprůchozí vůli turistům, tak začaly během lockdownu chodit. So Prague people, Pragas, who often don't go to the centre because there's lots of tourists, uh, started to go and circulate around that central area. Já sama jsem byla asi po deseti letech na Staroměstském náměstí díky covidu. A bylo to absolutně přízračný, protože celý to centrum bylo totálně prázdný. Obchody byly třeba někdy otevřený a nikdo v nich nebyl. Bylo to prostě z nějakého dystopického románu. Takže to byla doba, kdy se Pražané vrátili do centra, ale už jsou zase pryč. She said, no, 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 I, I don't have any stories about Prague. But then she realized that she's this 
this unpublished story uh, from uh, the year 93. And so she came back to the story almost 30 years later. And she kept it as it is, basically. She only added the final section. And in the final sections, she's saying what has changed uh, since the time. Uh, and she speaks a bit about Prague, but also about her family, her mom dying, and some other things that have happened since then. And I think that's a kind of very unique uh, way. This was basically a coincidence um, uh, that this story actually is published. And it was published basically for the first time in English, not in Czech. Um, so uh, that just like the behind the scenes <laughs> how, it, how it all happened. Thank you. It's, it's very bizarre. Uh, I published uh, a book of Venetian stories uh, about the, two years ago, and some of the, one or two of those were written during the lockdown were about the fact that suddenly there were no tourists and suddenly Venetians could enjoy the city again. Uh, a very, very similar sort of strange yeah. moment. Um, I thought I, I should ask uh, Paul really about the process of translation because this is as much a, a celebration of translators' work as it is um, about uh, celebration of the original stories. Um, Paul, what are the challenges of uh, translating from, from Czech? Uh, and also you translate from Slovakian. Um, so, yeah, what are the challenges generally? And what specifically were the challenges with this particular story? Probably translating Czech is there's far too many words. <laughs> I, mean, that's, uh, I know there are some translators in the audience and hopefully they'll agree with me. I, mean, I, I say that in jest, but actually uh, a couple of years ago I was in, in Hungary and somebody told me there there had been a study of um, how many words different speakers of different languages use in their, in their daily life. Um, and it turned out that uh, the language cultures in which most words are used on a day-to-day -day basis are Czech and Hungarian, apparently. <laughs> so I, that's, that's in jest, but it is true. I mean, whenever I read a Czech text, there are all these words in there, and there were plenty in this text that, that, that I didn't know. There are some that you half know, that some you know the feeling of, some you've got kind of some ancestral memory of from somewhere. Um, but, I mean, yeah, beyond the general challenge of doing any translation from any language into any other, when you've got to read the text right to the, right to the depths of it, you've got to fully understand what it's saying. Uh, you've got to understand every word, and I need help with that as a non-native speaker. I need to I need to check things uh, with native speakers of the language, and then eventually we also checked um, with Veronica to tidy up the things that we haven't been able to to sort out in other ways. Um, so beyond that, yeah, there's just lots of words. But this text was I don't know whether Veronica will agree, but there's there's, there's quite a lot of colloquialisms in it describing the speech of some late teenagers. Uh, seem to be students um, at, at that time, 30 years ago, they were using quite a lot of slang, uh, quite a lot of expressions that were new to me that I had to look up, so it was, it was quite a challenge from that point of view. Thank you. I'm really interested by, uh, about this, this idea of uh, living and writing in a city that um, you can't go, nobody goes to the centre of. Are there, are there sort of uh, other centres that, uh, that uh, you know, people from Prague Kind of regard as their places. Are, are there specific, you know, out, you know, outer centres, so to speak? Well, yeah, definitely. There is this empty whole centre, like where you just don't go. 
and then you have this is Prague one basically, and and then you have Prague two. This is the real center for like uh, locals. That's the expensive, nice district where you like wish to live, mm -hmm. and then it's Prague three, four, five. Six, seven, which are very nice to live, and those are like like surrounding. It's a circle around those two districts in the center, and that's the place where mostly most people live. And uh, that's I would say Prague uh, of of like contemporary Prague. And uh, and when you are in from uh, when you have to go to the city center, it's always. As Veronica uh, said, it's it's suffering. It's, it's painful. Like, like you have to push your ways way with your elbows through crowds and crowds of tourists wearing kafka on their t-shirts <laughs> and, and, and so on with, with all those umbrellas and guides and and selfie sticks and, and it's 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 really crazy. This this and I I really I'm sad about this condition because it's uh, it's happening all around Europe. Uh, I, I think it's nothing uh, special. Like uh, the, 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 it's it's with all those beautiful cities, they're dying from within. It's it's strange, like like a disease for me. And and uh, um, for for me, it's also of course an inspiration. Like that the city itself always always it's sort of uh, it's a text. You you uh, it's text you live uh, in which you live. Actually, you read it. Uh, on a daily basis, like like, and then reread it, and uh, for a writer, of course, it's a, it's a number one source of inspiration. But uh, yeah, I can imagine that that um, uh, you know Prague, when when Harabal was active, when when he was writing, was a completely different city. Not mentioning Kafka, you know, it was it was uh, that was the magic of Prague, of course. But it's over. It's it's long. Gone, like like, uh, and uh, only those those uh, uh, you know those uh, businessmen and vendors and sellers came, and then they try all all of them have been uh, profiting from this atmosphere. But that's it. That's it. Like uh, for me, it's also an interesting movement uh, of those things. But, but uh, you. No longer. I, when I was a couple of uh, months ago, I was in Istanbul, and I felt that this is the living city, actually, that the center of Istanbul. The, the city has many centers, actually, but but uh, people really live in the city and live the city, actually. Like like it's it's uh, they're soaked with the atmosphere and they're uh, they're the city's blood, and uh, and uh, that's not happening in Prague, unfortunately. So, Said true. Thank you. Um, I talked earlier about the fact that the 20th century history kind of really bears down on all these stories, not, not just the 90s, but uh, the, the Soviet area, era and the, the, the Second World War. And um, I wondered if, um, as a question to you, Veronica, um, do you feel compelled to, to write about history? Does it, does, it, um, does it haunt your stories, or is it something that just naturally? Um, naturally comes to the surface. Is it an obligation or a duty to write about that history, or is it just naturally there? Jestli je to vlastně povinnost, jestli máš jako povinnost psát o historii Česka a historii Prahy, 
nebo jestli to přichází zase spontánně. On ráží na, tu, na ten ostavec, který tam máš vlastně o, o historii Prahy, té, té povídce. O historii Prahy jsem tady psala právě s ohledem na to, že ta kniha měla být, teda ta povídka měla být primárně jako povídka z Prahy nebo o Praze. A jinak já vlastně se jakoby historii ve svém psaní podle mě úplně nevěnuju. A když spíš tak jako než historii města, tak jakoby historii jako vztahu nebo, nebo lidí a jejich osudu. So I, I don't really deal with history per se, but really about uh, the fate of people. Explain that um, so Veronica has a uh, there's a very interesting moment in her story where she's walking through the center of Prague and she's looking at the center and she thinks wow this maybe this wouldn't would not be here uh, if we uh, fought against Germany in the Second World War because as you might know um, we were occup occupied by uh, by Nazi Germany. Um, and um, our president decided not to uh, not to fight um, Hitler and so maybe if we fought Hitler they would bomb us and they would destroy the historic center um, so the touristic Prague, the old Prague um, might have been gone and that's a very interesting moment I think or I was probably referring to that um, uh, in, uh, in his question um, and um, takže možná, on vlastně myslel ten, ten moment s tímhle, s tohle, jak to, jestli ten potřeš máte třeba stále, že tu emoci. No. Tuhle emoci opravdu mám celá, celá léta, že si uvědomuju, že prostě některé věci přežijou proto, že jejich obyvatelé prostě nebyly hrdinové a že za to hrdinství, za to nehrdinství vlastně byly odměněny tím, že jim zůstalo to krásné město, a naopak. So yeah, I, I feel a lot of emotion towards it. I think about it a lot. The fact that um, because of this lack of heroism, this non-heroism on the part of the people, uh, these things survived that wouldn't have survived otherwise. Protože ty okolní státy prostě jen kvůli, ať už kvůli jiný mentalitě, nebo kvůli jakoby politicko-mocenským podmínkám, Vlastně došli k tomu, že, tam, že, ty, že ty jednotlivý střety politický 20. století je opravdu strašně zdevastovaly a zničily. My jsme se tomu vždycky jako Praha vlastně nějak vyhnuli. Yeah, so in the, in the surrounding countries, whether they got a different mentality or the diff, there were different political historical factors, they ended up coming uh, out of the Second World, World War differently and they were devastated. Já jsem byla asi v roce 1988, já jsem teda úplný hobit, který nikam nejezdí. Pořád je v Praze, nebo je na chalopě v severních Čechách. Ale náhodou jsem v roce 1988 byla ve Varšavě. Bylo mi 14 let. A bylo to asi tak po druhý životě, kdy jsem teda překročila hranice, tenkrát časozr. A byla jsem úplně otřesená, jak ta Varšava je strašně ošklivá, ale jako hrozně ošklivá. So I, I was 14 years old, it was only the second time that I'd gone uh, overseas, abroad, and I was in Warsaw, and I was 
uh, shocked by how ugly, how really horrendously ugly Warsaw was. A úplně vlastně podobně to bylo, když jsem byla asi rok potom v Berlíně, východním. Uh, and then I was a year later I was in Berlin and it was the same uh, as Warsaw. No a když jsem vlastně potom viděla počase filmové nahrávky nebo fotky nebo záběry toho, jak ty města byly krásný, než vlastně jsem prošla ta válka, tak mě došlo, že takhle mohla Praha vypadat taky. And so when I, when I saw clips and films from how it used to be before the war, I realized that Prague could have ended up the same way. A že vlastně prostě je to taková, takový paradox dějin, no, že... This is paradox of history. Okay, it was touching. That's enough. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're taking up a lot of time here. I, I, I just want to throw it out to the audience if, if anybody has any questions about these stories or, or the book or the translation process. Thank you very much for this panel. And I was wondering, so while you were talking about Prague and how you go and not go to the city centre, I was looking through the story by Iwas which is probably, from what I'm guessing now, I didn't have a chance to, to read it properly, but oh, I'm guessing it's on the opposite side of you know, what, what you were talking. And I was wondering whether you can, it's probably two questions actually, whether you can just say what for you would be the main theme of the Prague text and the second uh, question would be, do you feel like this is the generation thing between your generation of writers and I was, or is it something else? Okay, thank you for the question. I'm going to respond to the, to the, to the, first, uh, to the first one, to the first part. Um, so, of course, we have to uh, include at least one story that is set uh, in the Prague Castle. That, I mean, otherwise, that then will be... <laughs> So Michal Ivas, obviously, I, I mean, he's, he's was influenced by, by Franz Kafka, and this is a very different story than the other stories in the book. Um, it's clearly fictional. He was, <laughs> he was hopefully it's fictional. He was, <laughs> he was, he was ambushed uh, by a, a eight feet long clan uh, at the Prague Castle, and the clan just, you know, just, uh, gives him a hard time, and he has to, he has to escape throughout the old, uh, old part of uh, Prague, and um being chased by this monster so um that's uh, that's different because most of the stories in the book are i would say autobiographical and uh this is this is more the kafka influence that uh arouse longing for <laughs> and at least one at least one so yeah that's that's uh Michael Ivas and now i think Mariko and i can respond to the second question um which i i forgot what question was actually the second one but um if it is a generation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you once more for your questions. And, and uh, um, well, I, I think it is a generation, uh, like like thing, like like uh, we are different generation with Iwas, but I think it's also this attempt to because the, we have this very heavy burden of those predecessors uh, of Kafka and Harabal, Milan Kundera, of course. Uh, those those like titans of Czech literature, uh, Hasek, uh, uh, to mention just those four. Uh, but uh, 
for me, it's I, I just don't want to, and I, I would hate to just copying someone else's style. And I feel those people were very, all of them actually, were very experimental during their life, like during their era and the time. They, uh, uh, Herbal was, was a big, big uh, experimentator with form, with language, with rhythm, with uh, uh, how to inco incorporate storytelling inside the, like like the, the, the and people people really hated him. Uh, he he received like tons of hate mails, and uh, and uh, Kafka was the same. He was unknown basically, but but he he was great. Uh, he, he he was an adventurer of, of prose, you know, and and uh, I. Personally, I want to do the same. Like I want to 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 work with language, with its rhythm, but in uh, in uh, like nowadays, in, in contemporary like like frame. I mean, I, I can't just just copy what was here uh, before. I just need to find my own voice, which is painful. Which is, uh, and, and again, some reviewers, critics hate uh, some of my books because of this because it's. Uh, you know, it's it's I, I, it's escaping on a thin ice in a way because you you try something differently, do things which people don't expect from let's say Czech literature and so on. But I just don't want to be another rabal or whatever. Já vůbec nevěřím, že nějaká generace dneska je, že by to šlo nějak jako zařadit do jedné škatulky nebo do jedné přihrádky. So Veronika doesn't doesn't believe uh, in any generational approach. Uh, she doesn't even know how to define a generation. Um, so she said basically the opposite thing as Mark. Um, and um, yeah, that's basically our message, right? So. I would like to know about the uh, magic Prague, because you talk about this concept of magic Prague, and magic Prague is non-existent. I'm obviously a tourist in Prague each time I go, but for me, Prague has magic, and it's outside of the city center, like Vinohrady, or you go further and further away. But I think that maybe we are reading the practically free right now, and also writers need to find, redefine the magic uh, shouldn't be like that. Find your new magic. Where is those? Where is this new magic? Because I, I still, I still find magic in Prague. Where do you find your magic in Prague right now? <laughs> I'll just say very briefly that it's a good thing that we, and especially Marek, uh, don't work in the marketing team of uh, the Prague Council, because we just managed to uh, destroy the the magic and the myth of all Prague. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for your uh, question. It's, 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 I think, of course, you, uh, you find it. It's, uh, it's, there's uh, like um, it's abundance of, of magic in Prague. Of course, that there is uh, you can find it uh, near the river. There is wonderful di districts like like new new like centers of uh, where people meet up and then so on and so on and there is also this old um, like like the old districts where which used to be like workers districts and, and uh, now 
are re some somehow rebuilt or being rebuilt and, and so on. And but for me, it's the city itself. It's this growth uh, and, and the never-ending, like almost <coughs> metabolic process of the of, of any city. But in Prague, you can feel it. It's full of stories. It's like a, it's like a Frankenstein. Actually, it's, it's stitched up with from many different parts or by parts. And uh, it um, uh, for me, it's, it's uh, like never-ending uh, adventure. Actually, like like to live there. To inhale all those all those uh, scents and, and you know atmospheres and so on and so on, but it's not any longer about the city center, basically. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Já chci říkat, já chci říct, že nesouhlasím s tím, že by Praha byla jako Frankenstein. A jenom k té otázce chci říct, že vlastně já sama mám v Praze spousta míst, které považuji za magický. Jsou to většinou úplně maličké enklávy, kde, kde se jakoby mísí nový a starý. So I've got there are lots of little spots around Prague which are for me magical places, little enclaves, little areas that are magical for me. A většinou nejsou teda v historickém centru nebo v tom nejnavštěvovanějším, ale i v něm takové místa jsou. A já jsem vlastně v té povídce vlastně zmiňovala ty místa, které bych nejvíc litovala, kdyby jsme nebyli zbavili a bránili se. <laughs> uh, but, but even in that historical centre, there are still little places that have that uh, magic uh, places that uh, I would be, I would have really regretted if we'd lost them, if we'd not been so cowardly. Any other questions? Thank you. Uh, my question is more for the editor or the publisher of the book. If you can explain to us how did you approach selection of the authors and selection of your stories? Whether you were looking for more for contrasts or for something to complement as for the authors or the stories, and also obviously Prague before the Second World War was a half a German city. Uh, does it reflect your book? Or uh, in the 90s, alleged it was very multicultural, very international. Are there any English authors writing about Prague or American authors writing about Prague? I, I can take the first little bit of that and then I'll hand over to you. Um, just our, our kind of our policy with, with these books really is to try and get as much variety as possible. So different styles, different genres, different uh, generations of writers, uh, different ages, uh, and, a, and a balance between the different different communities. So uh, there's, uh, there's a writer, Patrick Banger, who's from the Romani community. And we also, where possible, try to uh, represent as many different districts uh, in any city that we cover. It's not always possible, um, but obviously we've got uh, Shishkov and we've got Lieben and we've got <coughs> the, the center, uh, that, that one story that we talked about. So, um, so, so we try to kind of cover as many, uh, have as much variety because the point of these anthologies and the, the kind of value of anthologies generally is pluralism, is, is contradictions, variety. Uh, and that's you know one of the reasons why I like short stories myself. Yeah, so this the selection process was very spontaneous. We basically Ivana were looking for Prague uh, in contemporary literature, 
Um, so it was it was sometimes quite funny because I received emails from Ivana, you know, late at night. Oh, I found this short story by Michael Ivas, Neil Prague's Price of Prominent Role, and it's a good story and stuff like that. So it was very, uh, it was kind of, um, it was a long process, but but a quite spontaneous one. And um, at the beginning, uh, we said to ourselves, we want to focus the book on just on contemporary uh, Czech literature, or because the Czech Literature Center um, primarily promotes uh, living authors. And um, but uh, you know, then we found also some really good stories by uh, by writers that are no longer alive. Um, but it's funny because um, obviously Habal is, is famous, uh, but uh, uh, but Maria Strejová and Darana, the other two uh, 20th century writers, are not so well known um, in in uh, Czech, Czech Republic, um, and. Um, in the case of Maria Estrella, that was the first uh, her first publication in in, in English. Um, uh, she died she died in the seventies. Um, so um, yeah, uh, that's probably all. And to your second question, I'm I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't really follow uh, American English literature enough to know uh, if there are um, some great books about Prague. But uh, speaking of Americans and Brits in Prague. Uh, um, there, so after the revolution in '89, um, especially in the '90s, uh, there were many uh, Americans and, and English people, Irish people as well, coming to Prague um, as students, as young people. Prague was very popular at the time in the West, and uh, they learned Czech in Prague, and they some of them stayed, some of them, some of them still live there, some of them. Uh, then uh, came came home, um, but uh, I'm saying this because probably eight of the twelve translators or nine uh, that actually are part of the book um, have this this story that they came there in the '90s um, and they uh, they learned Czech. So we have a, I would say quite strong generation uh, of translators. Um, Paul K was in Prague at the same year that Lori goes writing the story. It was 1993. So he might have been the, uh, the tourist in her, in her tourist shop. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my answer. Thank you. We've actually, I'm afraid, uh, completely run out of time. We've got way over time. So uh, it just remains, uh, there will be a chance uh, to talk more to the authors and ask questions of the authors and, and Paul and Jan uh, uh, outside and we're obviously selling books. Uh, but for now, it just remains for me to, to thank uh, the Czech Literary Centre uh, and uh, the Moravian Library and our, our guests today. Please join me in thanking uh, Paul, Veronica, uh, Marek and Jan. I think the applause just confirmed uh, what I felt during the evening. I found it uh, really lovely. Lively and uh, kind of poetic in the sense, and so pleasing uh, really this evening, despite the fact that our guests perhaps didn't know that uh, the city of Prague is one of the supporters of, <laughs> of the festival. But when I was thinking, well, that might be uh, interesting uh, to set up a residency program for the writers that live in the city, but perhaps on the outskirts of the city. So they would spend a couple of weeks or a couple of months living in the Prague one, somewhere in the compound or whatever. 
because I strongly believe that the magic of Prague is still there, but it's, it's, it's hidden. It's hidden under the tourism and commercializations and the corporate businesses and whatever you have mentioned. But if you go there, as you went throughout the COVID, or in the evening or early in the morning, I think the magic is still there and perhaps it will be an interesting experience for the anthology number two of Prague uh, <laughs> to, to explore. <laughs>